you've already won the battle. You've already won the battle. So I'm going to ask you guys a question really quick. How do you fight your battles? How do you fight the battles that you have in your walk right now? In Ephesians, the Bible speaks, in Ephesians 6, it says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities and against the powers of darkness, against spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so if we can recognize the signs of the spiritual attack, we won't waste our time blaming people. We won't waste our time blaming people. Instead, we will focus on dealing with the devil and overcoming him. Paul clearly defines and warns us about the invisible realms. See, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to speak a spiritual language today. I'm going to speak to your spirit this morning. The Bible says that we are not of this world. That means that this natural world, this realm that we see here, this is not our world. This is not where we're from. <clears throat> I'm convinced. I'm totally convinced that the war takes place in the second heavens. And I know maybe you heard me and you're like, well, what do you mean the second heavens? What, what is the second heavens? What is, what is, so if, if I'm saying the first heavens, the second heavens, and the third heavens, what is the third heavens? Apostle Paul gives us a major revelation that there are three heavens. Maybe more, but Paul only talks about the third. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 and 3, it says, I know a man in Christ who for 14 years ago, whether in body I do not know, whether out of body I do not know, but God knows. Such one who was caught up into the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in body or out of body, I do not know, but God knows. He was caught up into paradise and heard the inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. So obviously, Paul is talking about the third heavens. So we can establish that there is a third heaven. Now let's talk about the second heavens. So if I talk about the second heavens, the Bible talks about the angels were ascending into seven, and you even hear like there was war in the heavenlies. You see, we all have angels that are assigned to us. You got, you got to, if you're a believer, you got to believe there's angels because there are demons. We can, we're so easy to believe in demons, but we have a hard time believing in angels. You know? There are angels that are assigned to each and every one of you. And these are warring angels. There's, there's different kinds of angels. But <clears throat> it says that the war is in the heavenlies. And that means that there's a battle raging for you and I individually. For your call, for my call, for your walk. Because you've got a call in your life, bro. And everything that you do, the angels are like, they're co-laboring with you. They're like, come on, Ted. You can do it. 
Come on, let's go, let's go. They battle for you. And they come and they got battle scars. And I can imagine my angel. I mean, in the natural, I've been shot. I've been stabbed. I've been cut. I've been hit with baseball bats. And that's in the natural. Can you imagine what my, my angels look like in the spirit? I imagine them these big, buff, warring angels. Because I need a special kind of angel. And you all do. And there's a war that takes place. So what we see here are natural. This is our, our, our realm. But then you see the second heavens, and that's where the battle takes place. That's where the battle, that's the spirit realm where there, there's a war raging. And then you go to the third heavens. That's what Paul's talking about. So in Ephesians 6.12, Paul gives us a revelation that Satan and his demonic kingdom is divided up into what the Bible calls principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of the age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, Colossians 1.16 reads this. For by Him and all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions of the rulers or the authority, all things were created through Him and for Him. You see, the battle isn't with a person. It's not with the person who attacks you verbally. It's not with the person who, who curses you. Listen, I, I had to learn this many years ago. I thought everybody was against me. I went through those immature stages of my walk in ministry where I was offended easily. Social media had just started. Facebook had just started. People were just so free to write whatever they wanted to write. And it became a place for ranting and raving. It became a place where you could curse your brothers and post your opinions. And I thought everybody was talking about me. Like, oh, and I would get offended. And then I would see that person and like, yeah, whatever. I built up an opinion based on my, my, my circumstance. And what happened was I began to judge the person based on an assumption that I made. And in reality, they were never even talking about me. They could have been talking about somebody else. But because of my immature walk, I immediately gravitated to like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and you're a Christian, huh? <laughs> you see, the battle isn't with a person. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. That means there's a battle that rages. 
And if, it doesn't matter if you're a believer or you're not a believer, but if you're a believer, if you make yourself available, the enemy will use you. Doesn't make you less of a son or a daughter. Doesn't mean you're some kind of sinner going to hell. It just means that you agreed with the whisper of the enemy and you allowed him to use you as a tool. It isn't those that curse you. It isn't those that hurt you. Everything is spirit. Everything is spirit. Right now, right now we're here. And there's a cloud of witnesses that are right here with us. They're here with us. I believe my dad's here in the cloud of witnesses. My wife's mom. Yours. Larry. Everybody who's lost somebody. It says that everything is spirit. See, I'm speaking to your spirit man right now. And I feel like, ah. I feel like a release of the glory just going through right now. You were called to be an overcomer. You and I are overcomers. Revelations 3.21 reads this. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. I will also overcome and sat down with my father on, the, on his throne. You see, the battle has been won. Right now, if you're watching right now online, the battle has been won. Hmm. Colossians 2.15 says this, And having disarmed the powers of the authority, Christ made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. I'm going to read that scripture again, and I'm going to read in two different versions. Because the Lord has really just had me in different studies with this. And, and the first one I'm going to read is going to be through the King James. For my King James families out there. Blotting out the handwritten, the handwritten of the ordinance that which was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, having spoiled the principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now I'm going to read the same verse out of, out of uh, the Passion Translation. That's Colossians 2. Verses 14 through 15. The Passion Translation says like this, and I love the way it says this. I, I want you to let this hit your spirit. <clears throat> it says, He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. With the old arrest warrant, He stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soil, he deleted it all, and it cannot be retrieved. 
Everything we once were in Adam has been placed on the cross, nailed permanently, and there was a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus publicly made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping it away, every weapon and all their spiritual authority and the power to accuse us. And the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Come on. See, the battle's been won. Jesus finished it on the cross. <laughs> Come on. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. It reads this. For he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You are as righteous as Jesus. Come on. Whew. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. <laughs> the new life has begun. And all of the gifts from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us his task of reconciling his people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting the people's sins against him. Oh, thank you, Father. You're so good, God. <laughs> I just thank you for your presence, Lord. You see, don't worry about the enemy. Don't worry about how many of the enemy begins to surround you. You are not alone. Listen to what I'm saying. You are not alone. To believe for the impossible, one must first see the invisible. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 15. I'm going to read this scripture. It says, When the servant of the man, when the servant of the man of God rose up early in the morning, he went out. And behold, there was an army of horses and chariots that was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Can you imagine that? Because, see, this was a time of war. They were at war. And they're in their camp. They wake up early in the morning, step out of the tent, and there's an army of chariots surrounding their whole camp. Like, holy moly. So he runs back in. Master, what should I do? <laughs> I want to give you guys a little bit of what was going on because to understand this. Israel and Syria, they were at war during this time. 
Let's just let's turn to Second Kings uh, six. If ever, we can turn to Second Kings six, please. Remind me to get a light right here. <laughs> like, Lord. We're going to read uh, out of 6, verse 8 through 14. Because, see, Israel and Syria were at war during this time. When the king of Aram set, was at war with Israel, he would confer to his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send the word to the place indicated by the man of God, and time again, Elisha would warn the king so that they would, they would be on alert there. And the king of Aram became very, very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which one of you is a traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? <clears throat> it's not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of, of Israel, Even the word you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Ha <laughs> ha! Isn't that awesome? And then the king says this. Go and find where he is, the king commanded. So I will send the troops to seize him. And then report came back. The Elijah was at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. So that's when he comes out and he sees the great army. And that's when in 2 Kings 6.15, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant, Elas, my master, what shall we do? You see, the enemy will come to steal your peace. Listen to what I'm saying. Even, I just want to be transparent, because even in the situation that we're seeing here, with everything that we're looking at, in the natural, I see things that, there's just no way, God. There's no way. And immediately what the enemy does, he comes and he tries to surround my camp. He tries to surround your camp and he tries to steal your peace. And no longer are your eyes fixed on the things of God, but you're looking at the circumstance and the situation. When your peace is gone, you begin to magnify your mountain. You begin to give life to the accusation and the lies from hell. 
I want to I wanna share a, a really quick story of a recent battle that I had. It was when my father, when I found out that my father was, was going to pass, I was over here in Ohio, and I got word that my dad had been rushed to the hospital. And I remember I was able to go and, and I was able to be with my dad. And, but my, I was the, I'm the only son of my father. So everything fell on me. Every decision, everything that I had to make was my decision. And that was one of the hardest things that I had to do in my life. Because you got to understand that I was very close to my father. I mean, he was my best friend. And this is not, I mean, he was my best friend. And I remember there, and I was sitting there in front of the doctors, and my father was in the room right next to me, and he was on, I mean, he was already really bad. And the doctors were telling me, that's it. There's nothing we can do. He's gone. You can prolong his life. You're going to put him on life support. And, and, and then I had the family that was there, his, his brothers and sisters, Everybody was barking at me. Well, don't do this and don't do that. You can't do this. And there was like chaos all over the place. Everybody had their own. And I'm like, I'm trying to just say, man, my dad's dying. And immediately unbelief tries to step in. You see, I've seen miracles and I've seen... I've seen God move. I've seen the dead raised. I've seen arms grow and legs grow. I've seen the power of God. And I believe. But that moment, my battle, I felt surrounded. I felt like I had walked out of my tent and the enemy was surrounding my camp. And I was like, Master, what do I do? And I felt and I heard that spirit trying to come of unbelief because I had to make a decision of do I put my father on life support or do I let him just pass? And I said, Lord, I said, I need to hear you. I need you right now. And I had the doctor there, and the doctor was telling me a report, and he was, and he was adamant. And I told the doctor, I said, no. I said, shut your mouth. And I said, Lord, I said, I need my company of heaven right now. I need to hear you, God. And I had the family going and I'm sitting there, and I got my father there. I said, Lord, I need a company of heaven. And right at that moment, somebody walked in the room that was a believer. And I saw them, and I said, you, can you come with me? I said, I just need you to agree with me for just a second. So we went in the room and we prayed together. And... But see, that was a battle that I had that day. When I walked out of that place, 
I was in a place of chaos and the enemy was surrounding me. My camp was surrounded by the enemy. And unbelief tried to step in. Because I know, oh gosh, I know, I know that the Lord would heal my, my father. I know that. My dad did pass. And guess what? God is a good God. Just like he was then and he is now. It may look like you are surrounded by darkness. (laughs) How do you warfare? You watching. How do you warfare? How do you fight your battles? What is your battle this morning? Is it being a victim? Is it your pride? Is it your mind? Are you offended? Are you hurt? Is it unbelief? I want to give us a few keys really quick. Keys to having a victorious warfare. Who wants to be in warfare? Nobody wants to be in warfare. But if you're going to be in warfare, why not be victorious? Right? Nobody wants to be, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm at war again. I'm going to be like, man, I'm in victory, bro. I may be in the, but I'm in victory. Key number one, consistent prayer. Prayer is the key to discerning your adversary's strategy. You cannot expect a kingdom result if you're not willing to put in what, and I'm not saying that you're working for something, but prayer you got to get, you know, the other day we were in here, just, uh, we were setting up for the worship and the word. I don't know what we were doing or filming. And uh, we, we went into warfare. Just us. In this room. And Alice was going for it. Father, I declare, God, the goodness here. I declare your favor, God. Revival, God, finances, provision. Lord, and, and she, we break the ground. Prayer. See, we're praying for you guys. We're praying for the region. Hmm. Key number two. It comes out of Colossians 3.2. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. If you keep looking at your circumstance, you'll never be able to see beyond. Ephesians 6.10. Key 3 first, I'm sorry. 
key number three. Put on the whole armor of God. Come on, we know this so well. And we say it, put on your armor, brother. Put it on. Breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation. I mean, we know it. We know it well. Ephesians 6, 10-13, put on God's complete set of armor provided to us so that, he will, so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not being with human beings, but the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realm. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold the work of the world's bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you are protected as you confront the slander. For you are destined for all things and you will rise victorious. Put on the truth as a belt to strengthen you and stand in triumph. Put on the holiness as a protective armor that covers your heart. Stand at your feet alert and you will always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as you wrap around your shield for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows that come at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like the helmet to protect your thoughts from the lies and take a mighty razor sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. That's a passion translation. I just love the passion translation. I love that. The mighty razor sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Key number four, it comes out of verse 18. Pray passionately in the Spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all of His believers. What does that mean? You mean to tell me that my victory will come even greater if I pray for the other people? That's what it says. That if we pray for the other believers, ah, Holy Ghost, and (laughs) and pray that God's revelation would be released through This is what Paul is saying, that we'll be released every time I preach. And the wonderful mystery would be filled with the gospel. Yes, pray that I may preach the wonderful news of God's kingdom. But behold, every freedom and every opportunity, even though I am chained as a prisoner, I am still an ambassador. Now, key number five. And I believe this is one of the major keys as well. Allow your vision to be open to see 
the invisible. A heaven's perspective should always be our natural reality. You see, Elijah, his vision was never clouded by the situation (coughs) or the circumstance. Rather, he chose to see with a higher realm, (coughs) a higher realm, the invisible realm. (coughs) We call this the third heavens. That's the invisible realm. You see, in in 2 Kings 6.16, this is what Elijah tells the soldier that comes out of his tent. He comes out of his tent and he sees the enemy surrounding their camp. And he calls in and says, Master, what should I do? And Elijah tells him, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For there are more of us (laughs) on our side than theirs. You see, when when the glory of the Lord, when you're in that place of the glory of the Lord, You can see with your eyes shut. That's the invisible realm. That's the glory realm. That we can step into that place right now and I can begin to see the heavenlies. That's what what Elijah was seeing. He didn't see the enemy that was surrounding the camp. He saw this. He saw in in, uh, 2 Kings 6.17... It says that Elijah then prayed. He said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was filled and was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Did did y'all hear that? You see, he didn't see. He couldn't see because he was looking through his natural eyes. All he saw was a circumstance. He just saw like they were about to be devoured. And then Elisha prays. He says, open his eyes, God. Let him see. And then instantly his his spiritual eyes were open and he saw in the invisible realm. He saw in the spirit and saw the angelic host and the chariots of fire that covered the mountain. Oh, that's you and I. Come on, you guys got to get stirred up. That is you and I. That is like... Whenever you have that, that, that attack come, know that there's an angelic host and there's an assignment of angels with chariots of fire that are right there ready to go. They're just saying, come on, just say when. Just say when. And you oh, whoo! I get, I get fired about that. Mm. 
It may look like you're surrounded. But the reality is this. You are surrounded by God's army. You are surrounded by God's army. So this morning, I'm going to pray for those that are in here, and I'm going to pray for those who are online. I'm going to pray that our eyes would be open this morning. That we will no longer see with our natural eyes, but we would see the invisible realms. We would see the invisible realms. Father, for those right now that are watching online, Lord, let their eyes be opened right now. I declare supernatural eyes to see. I declare the, the third heaven reality to be released right now in the name of Jesus. I declare your goodness, God. I declare that the outpouring of your presence, God. That they would not see the circumstance, God, but they would see beyond eyes to see right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank those for that are watching online right now. God bless you. We'll see you soon.